We're talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one more Sunday before actual Easter, right? Two weeks from today, it'll be the 26th, which is a day past. We might <laughs> get close to the birth of Christ in the next couple of weeks. We were dealing with the announcement of John. Remember what we said about how he was fitted, John the Baptist, to come and be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. The special qualities that were his ended with talking about he was a special prophet. And make no mistake about it, John the Baptist was a prophet. He is the one who ties the Old Testament and New Testament together through his prophecy, his proclaiming uh, the word of God as, he, as he's about to. And he's a strong prophet. He's like Elijah of old, and he's described like that even by Jesus Christ. Come on in, come on in. And then we come to good old Zechariah, and that's where we left off two weeks ago. That begins in verses 18 to 25. Verse 18, we get a true revelation of what Zechariah is like. Now, this is a priest. Do you remember the description given of him and his wife Elizabeth prior to this? Anybody remember that from two weeks ago? Well, you go all the way back to verse 6 and you read talking about Elizabeth and Zechariah. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all commandments and statutes of the Lord. And then we come to verse 18 and we find out, whoops, there goes all that blamelessness. There goes the testimony from earlier in this chapter. Why? Because in verse 18, Zechariah responds to the declaration from Gabriel, how shall I know this? I'm an old man. My wife is advanced in years. How shall I know this? What's wrong with that? He has no child, but he's hiding behind the circumstances of the situation. Look at what he's talking about. His physical difficulties in this situation and his wife's. This would be like Abraham and Sarah saying something like this. But there's a keen difference between the two. He has no child. He's hiding behind these circumstances, if you will. It is unbelief. If you remember, and I'm not going to read that, but in Acts chapter 12, we have an example of this that's almost funny. You remember the people are gathered together and they're praying with all their hearts, minds, and souls for Peter. And somebody comes knocking at the door to tell him, hey, guess what? Your prayer's been answered, but he, she can't get an answer. They, they're busy. Go away. That's unbelief. That what, the, what happened there. It's the same thing here. It's a serious matter. Although there's a close uh, connection to what went on in the Old Testament, for instance, but there's a clear declaration, a line here between the two. To doubt God and his word is to deny his truthfulness. That's what takes place here in the life of a man who is a priest who is serving in the temple 
when Gabriel comes from God with a message. He, this is why it's unbelief and woeful. He knew scripture. This priest knew about Isaac and his birth, knew about the birth of Samuel. He knew about the birth of Samson, or he should have in his theological training. Why won't he believe when Gabriel comes to him? He was a priest. He was involved in prayer in temple service when this angel appeared and he didn't believe. A supernatural being who tells him who he, you know, it's not like other cases in the Old Testament where the people fell down and they feared the angel. Gabriel comes and says very clearly, I am Gabriel. I am Gabriel. In Genesis 15, a sign was given to strengthen faith for Abraham. This is the twilight of the revelation in the Old Testament. Abraham didn't have all of the things that Zechariah did. He was going to be the father of this nation. This is groundbreaking when God comes to Abraham and tells him, I'm going to make of you a people that are as many as the stars of the heaven. Well, he gives them some sign to prove what he was saying. Zechariah had that and more and didn't believe the Lord. He is not blameless in this sense. Abraham was given a sign to strengthen. Zechariah thinks this thing is impossible even though an angel of the Lord has told him this. In other words, what it boils down to is, even if you don't say this right out loud, He's thinking that nature is more powerful than grace. That's what he's saying. We wouldn't pray like we do for the healing of people, <laughs> since that's what we were talking about earlier. If we didn't believe God could do it, would we? I mean, really, then why pray? Why come in here and learn from the word of God if you're not gonna believe it, if you're just gonna turn? Gabriel isn't here, but God is in his word. Why wouldn't we believe it? Zechariah didn't believe this. Uh, there's a commentator, Jewish man named Lenski, who wrote this. And you take this for what it's worth and think it over. Unbelief is abnormal and irrational. It is for a believer to not believe. That's not normal for us. That is irrational. What, you can't explain it? <laughs> you better believe it anyhow. I cannot, I don't care how long we go on in here teaching the word of God, I cannot prove to you what's behind the Trinity. As we go through this passage in Luke, I'm not gonna be able to prove to you how the Holy Spirit did what he did. But it's true. God has stamped this, approved. In the Greek, the word here that... Uh, is translated in verse 16 when Zechariah says, how shall I know this? The word how in the Greek means this, according to what? According, you see that there's more to that word how than just what we have in the English word how. It's like, I want proof. According to what? You say I'm going to have, my wife's going to have a child? Okay, prove it. 
According to what? Well, he should have known right from the beginning what it was according to when Gabriel said, I am Gabriel. Does that remind you of anything? Reminds me of Exodus. <laughs> I am who I am. God is behind all this. Here we have someone refusing to believe even when he was given the answer he was praying for. <laughs> How crazy is that? I don't know, maybe sometimes we've been that crazy. But do you see the power of unbelief? I'm here praying for this and it's coming. It's just like the people that were in the prayer meeting over Peter and the girl shows up to tell him, hey, he's free, hey, they don't want to believe it. This does not work and it doesn't go well. You see in 18b, he says, I'm an old man. My wife is advanced in years. We can look at all of our circumstances, no matter what our problems are. And you put them up, up against God's promises, you can throw them away. They burn up like wood, hay, and stubble. Because God is true to his word. This is blatant unbelief, and it's looking at physical circumstances. You'll run into a lot of people like this today, especially if you witness it all, go down on Main Street you know, they believe the Bible, but some of them, that can't be written by God. You know, they won't believe that. They won't believe that uh, uh, Jesus was God. Sure, I believe he was a man, a philosopher, very moral guy, but they don't believe he's God. And Zechariah is not believing that God could do this thing here. He lets circumstances get in the way. Let's not ever do that. Let's not have ourselves doing that. Well, Gabriel reacts in a resounding way, doesn't he? He doesn't say, I got to go back to heaven, talk to God about this. We got to have a conference. We got to weigh the pros and cons of your reply, Zechariah. Now he answers him in verse 19. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. That's what authority I bring with me. I was sent to speak to you and to bring you good news. <clears throat> And then he stops there. And uh, it's as if to say, <laughs> we leave out there and you wouldn't believe it. He doesn't add all that. He says, I, this is what I've done. And he leaves behind the response that he got from Zechariah. It goes right to the punishment. Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. Zechariah did not believe and Gabriel reacts on authority from on high. It's interesting. It's, what do you think of this punishment? You will not be able to speak. What do you think of that? Well, yes, somebody had a... Think who this is. This is a priest who's ministering the word of God to the people of God and he can't speak. It's about a hundred times worse than Pastor Rick getting laryngitis for a week, you know. Not only won't you be able to speak, you won't be able to do it until the full term of this pregnancy is passed. That's when you'll be able to talk again. He was, listen, look at the depth of this. 400 years of silence till John the Baptist came. And now God's breaking through the silence and you don't want to believe? You don't want to be able to tell the people about this? 
All right, then. You're going to get it. I don't know that he's above any of the other angels, but he sure comes in power, doesn't he, from on high? And what he says here comes true. He says, Zechariah, I'm an old man. The angel says, I'm Gabriel. <laughs> I laid down the trump card. You're not going to speak till the full term of this pregnancy. A special favor was accorded to Zechariah. I might add on, on as we go by, even in judgment, God has a, a measure of grace behind it. I want you to look for that in the life of Zechariah. You know, God had a measure of grace even when he told Adam and Eve, when they sinned, you're going to die. That measure of grace was, according to the Old Testament, they lived for about 900 more years before they actually died, but they did die. Zechariah, this is going to happen. I came to bring you good news, answer to your prayers. Your doubts are not justified. He knew everything. He, uh, Gabriel speaks judgment to him. The sin of unbelief is judged. You know, when you go downtown to witness, some people go on Thursdays. Uh, uh, you may witness in opportunities that you get. What we're witnessing to to the people that we talk to, not just about their sins. Oh, you've done this, this, and this. The problem is I'm telling you the eternal solution to your sin. And it is unbelief in the Lord Jesus Christ. We had a taste of that a little bit in the morning sermon from Jeremiah. You will not believe the word of the Lord. Zechariah of all people doesn't believe it. How could he go... How could he come out and tell these people? Well, he couldn't. He was not able to speak. He couldn't come out and tell them the truth that God had broken through the silence and was sending the one they'd been waiting for. He gets a sign suitable to his unbelief in this judgment, silence. Imagine his anguish. I believe this is what he prayed for Virtually every time he was afforded this opportunity to serve in the temple. Behold, this is terrible. What is the message that he can't tell of? He can't come out and tell Israel the Messiah is coming. I just heard. And besides that, he's going to have a forerunner coming to my wife. He can't tell any of that. But God is sovereign and his plan will come to pass. Even though this, I'd be too harsh to call him a knucklehead, it doesn't believe this. And, and we are uh, that lame-brained if we don't believe the promises of God. The people were out there waiting for him to come with this word. They're waiting on this. The, the outer court is filled with people who've come to the temple for this particular season of worship. Well, we see the prophecy fulfilled in 23 through 25. <clears throat> he came out, was unable to speak. When the time of his service was ended, he went to his home. Now, this is important. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. His time was over. He returned. And it was after that that his wife became pregnant. 
It is interesting, and we ought to note that. There was no scandal involved. There was no time here involved when something else could have been brought up and they say, oh, that wasn't God at work. It was God at work. And I believe she stayed hidden because it says here she's worried about the reproach. What if, what if I come out here pregnant? Now, what's going, to, what's going to happen? What are people going to say? Well, she waited for an appropriate time and it happened. They were flawed but genuine believers and God worked through that. Well, what a story that is, the coming of John, even <laughs> though it wasn't believed. You know, God sometimes uses us in spite of ourselves, doesn't he? That's what he's doing here today. I'm up in front of you in spite of me. God is so gracious to use us when he doesn't have to. Well, any questions or comments before we go on to the next birth? Any questions or comments? Well, then let me quickly read a few verses for you, beginning in verse 26. Guess what? Gabriel's back. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign of the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit would come, will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to the word. And the angel departed from her. What a contrast this is to the announcement from Gabriel about the birth of John. We have a different person here, a different parent. It's interesting we're talking here, whereas Gabriel came to Zechariah, in this case he comes to Mary, who is to be the mother of Jesus. Well, the birth was foretold many times in the Old Testament, and Gabriel comes with his announcement, first of all, in verses 26 to 29. Note a number of things there. The time in the sixth month. He is marking time from what? The conception of John by Elizabeth. Six months. Six months ago, we came to Elizabeth, told her she's going to have a son. That's the time being marked here. Well, the messenger is Gabriel again. And again, he is not described much. He comes almost immediately after the bad time that he had with Zechariah 
A few months have gone by, but not a great length of time, like the 400-year interval between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He comes back again, and he is sent from God. In other words, he is answering what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what's taking place here. The will of God is beginning to be seen in a very clear way that many in the Old Testament only could dream about and hope for. It is being revealed and the messenger from God has come. Where? Where is he going to? Nazareth. What do you know about Nazareth? Well, you know right here it's in what country? Galilee. Generally speaking, that's a Gentile area. What else do you know about Nazareth? Beg your pardon? It is. And even today, it's a small city. Or if it is even a city, it's not a big place. The angel ignores Judea. He ignores Jerusalem. The angel doesn't show up at the temple this time. He comes to a little backwoods place named Nazareth. Now, all of a sudden, this is about to be the holiest place in all of Israel, believe it or not. There's a pejorative term about Nazareth. Do you remember that? One of the disciples? Yes. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? We've heard about this place. And he comes and he been told about Jesus and that's his reaction it's interesting (laughs) it's a small place we use the word town but there isn't a word for that in the Greek so it may be referred to as a city it's not a big place though and even today it's a relatively small place with between 10 and 12,000 people it is near Gentile lands and that's interesting considering what we're talking about here We're talking about the Jewish Messiah. One hint, perhaps, that he is the Messiah for all people. I'm I'm not sure I'm reading into the text, but it's worth thinking about. Well, let's look at the recipient in verse 27 of this message. To a virgin betrothed. This would be the first and last time in history that this ever happens. A woman is going to conceive and have a child without coming together with a man. Never before, never again. A singular, marked moment in history in fulfillment of many passages in the Old Testament, including the book of Psalms and in Isaiah. The virgin is going to conceive, and that is stressed here. Her condition is mentioned as a point of of fact that needs to be considered. It's mentioned before anything else is mentioned about Mary. She's a virgin. Do you see the emphasis? We're looking at a miracle here. We're looking at God stepping into history in a time and place very pointedly here. The word uh, virgin in the Greek is parthmos. And it always refers to a woman who has never been married. Wow, (laughs) that's going to come into play here if we think about it. 
we see the fulfillment of Isaiah 7, 14 being played out here. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. She is betrothed to Joseph. What do you know about that? Do you know anything from Bible history what that means? This Jewish girl is betrothed to a man. Kind of engaged. Yes, we would think of an engagement. Okay, you can think of that, but go about 10 times stronger than that word in, in the Old Testament. That meant, and this took place for about a year that they would be betrothed. During that period of time, he's going to be building a house. <clears throat> he's going to be getting things ready to accept his bride. They will be looked upon as, in fact, married, although they're not. But that was the depth of this commitment at a betrothment. They're both going to be strict about their chastity, their purity, looking forward to building a life together. Interesting, a Bible commentator said she could have been as young as 13 or 14 years old. Uh, parents, can you imagine getting your daughter ready to be married at that age? But that was what was going on here. Well, you keep that in mind as we study this person of Mary, who is 13 or 14 years old. Remember that as we go on here. <clears throat> He's got to do certain things. If anything interrupted this period of betrothment, it was like a divorce. And it will be handled in the Jewish uh, community like a divorce. It was very committed. And only death or some kind of divorce because of impurity or something could end this period of betrothment. Very serious thing. He's a man named Joseph. What else do we know about him? Pardon me? Yes, he is. And he was a carpenter. Two interesting things. What else do you know about him? How many verses do you know from the New Testament that mention Joseph? Well, you've probably read one of only about three about him. He's not the most important man here, although he does have importance because he is the physical human father of Jesus Christ. He was probably a good bit older than Mary, if you can imagine, and he was going to take her as his wife. I believe he probably died before the time of the cross, and up, coming up to then, we don't hear anything about him. We do know that he married Mary and had children because you read other places in the New Testament about James, the brother of Jesus, a couple other instances like that. He had brothers. So Joseph did enter into marriage with her. But beyond that, and the very important thing about his line, his lineage, we don't know much else. It is very important here. He is of the house of David. And you think of all that mean, all that would mean. And I don't have time to go into all that <coughs> right now. <coughs> she was a woman named Mary. Today, what would you think of that? How droll. You couldn't come up with a better name than Mary. Do you know how many Marys there are in the world? Do any of you have a relative named Mary? <laughs> Number of them. It's a lovely name, but, you know, in the day and age in which we live, people are looking for things that they're just throwing, throwing syllables together that we never even heard of and coming up with names. So interesting to look at them. 
But Mary was a significant name, a significant person. Her name actually signifies exalted. The one source I read, and if that's true, and I believe it is, that is so appropriate about Mary that she was exalted. We'll see. But you think, I'll just give you an aside here. Mary is mentioned at least four other times. I mean, four other people named Mary in the New Testament. I'll give those to you so you don't get confused. Mary was a mother of John Mark in Acts chapter 12. There was a Mary of Bethany in Luke 10. Mary, the mother of James in Matthew 27. There's also that famous Mary, Mary Magdalene, who is mentioned in Luke 8. Well, Gabriel comes and he speaks to this virgin. <laughs> Can you just imagine? I, I, I'm using my sanctified imagination here. You know, it's going through Gabriel's mind. I was just here six months ago. I've been through this. We know how that went. I'm going to have to come back and do it again. That didn't go well. Let's see what this is going to, what turns out here. He speaks kindly to her. He comes and says, greetings, O favored one. I think she needed this because an angel was coming to talk to her. I don't know what she was doing, perhaps some household chore. Maybe she was cooking dinner. I don't know. The scripture doesn't say. No doubt would have feared this heavenly being that came into her presence. He comes with greetings. I think this is necessary to ease into the message that he's bringing from God. You know, this isn't, <laughs> how are you today? It's going to rain this week. You know, I'm not sure what she was doing, but this is a gracious salutation to her. This had to be a surprise. And it doesn't say, maybe the angel just, boom, appeared out of nowhere in her house. I don't know. Just like I think Gabriel appeared, boom, right there in the temple. He has a gracious greeting to her. What does he say to her? Oh, favored one. Now we could take a complete Sunday to talk about this. Oh, favored one. This is sometimes mistakenly rendered Mary full of grace. You know where I'm going with this. That is not the proper interpretation of this verse. This is a better interpretation here. Oh, favored one. Back in 1854, okay, that's 18 centuries after this took place here. Pope Pius IX concocted something called the Immaculate Conception, running with this term, Mary full of grace. And he wrote, from the moment of her conception, the Blessed Virgin Mary was, by singular grace and privilege of Almighty God, and in view of the merits of Jesus Christ, comma, Savior of mankind, free from the stain of original sin. That is why we need to steer clear from this full of grace. The Roman Catholic Church still has things they recite with these words in it. Mary was not full of this kind of grace that the church talks about. That is utter blasphemy, I'm sorry. But it's a word of blessing here. The Lord is with you. That's why you're favored. The Lord is with you. 
What a statement. This nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere is being favored with the presence of God. And not only that, but in a significantly, a singular way. Favored one. The word in the Greek is a passive participle. You know what that means? She took no action. It was conferred upon her. This wasn't an active getting of grace. This was a bestowing of, of grace on the part of God. Well, it's not earned. This is given. It's given by whom? By God. It's delivered by an angelic messenger. What do you think her response will be? She was greatly troubled. <laughs> can you imagine, ladies? Uh, those of you who are blessed with children, can you imagine this? You're going to be blessed. This is what's going to happen. You are going to have a child. 400 years have passed since a prophet spoke about the coming of the Messiah. I'm here to tell you not only is he coming, but he's going to be coming in your womb. Wow. No wonder she was troubled. I mean, what would you say to that? You know, I believe she was probably trying to figure this out. She's favored, not as a highly placed woman in Judea or Jerusalem. There goes my moon. <laughs> or in the temple, but here in Nazareth. And God has found her and has bestowed this singular honor upon her. God is with her and conferring great favor to her. I believe she probably kept pondering this over and over again in her mind. I believe she was a reflective, meditative young lady. She has all the earmarks of a godly young woman. Perhaps she went back and thought of Psalm 119, 78. I will meditate on your precepts. She had to take this to heart. I've come to bestow great favor upon you. Wow, this is from on high. Quakers have a term for this. They call it to center down. <laughs> Stop, gather yourself, think about this. This is God's messenger, Gabriel. He's gonna greatly, God, favor you. Maybe she went back and argued with herself. How can this be? This is crazy. You know, why would the angel come and save this to me? Another place in Psalms, we read this from Psalm 138. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. That's not Mary, is it? God has regarded her in her lowly estate. And in verse uh, 15 of Isaiah 57, for thus says the one who is high and lifted up, that's important to realize, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I will dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. I believe that's what, who we're talking about here. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. But she was greatly troubled. Uh, that's a great verse, Dennis, that you're telling me about. <laughs> but man, this bothers me, this message. Well, look at his particular annunciation. Some people use this word annunciation for a lot of other births. 
it should only be properly used about the birth of Jesus Christ. I read some commentators that call the Annunciation of John the Baptist an Annunciation. I don't believe that's uh, accurate. <laughs> well, this is what he came to tell her. Do not be afraid. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Man, it's a mouthful, isn't it? Well, first he tells her, do not be afraid. She was. Wouldn't you be? I would be just shaking in my boots if an angel appeared. Can you imagine if he told you, well, you're going to have a child. And this is what I'm going to tell you about that child. <laughs> this is the same verse used in back in verse 13, Greek word used there, and we won't play that out. <clears throat> She's in fear, perhaps, because of the presence of God. But Gabriel speaking to her with words of assurance, you are highly favored. Don't you want to hear something like that from God? Wouldn't you love to hear those words? You're a favorite. You're blessed. Well, he tells her why. The Lord was with her. His favor and his presence via the, the angel Gabriel are hers. Wow. Not only is this true, but there's a messenger here to verify this. I've come from God's throne to tell you this. You better listen. This is truly favor. In verse 30, we read there <laughs> once more, the angel came and said to her, you have found favor with God. In studying Greek, that is in this whole thing is written in the aorist tense. That means it took place at a distinct time and place in the past. It is over with. It was done. There's no if, and, or but about it. There's no future tense of this. There's somebody coming. You'll have favor if you finish this uh, delivery. <clears throat> it is truly a blessed time. Uh, what a blessing this is. That reminded me when I was in college, we so often greeted people when they discussed news with us with that. Uh, it was almost cliche. Oh, what a blessing. What a blessing. And I regretted that later because sometimes I wondered if I was really genuine. But this is a blessing. You are highly favored. Well, what else does he say? And this should remind us of John, but in a more positive way. You shall call his name Jesus. What do we say about the angel telling Zechariah what he will name his son? You know, God is in control. He has claims on this thing that's going on. He had claims on John. That's why he told, told Zechariah, you will name him John. There's a distinct claim here. You're going to have a son. You're going to be blessed from on high, but you shall call his name Jesus. I don't know about you. Did anybody ever try to tell you what to name your children? Well, we, we had some input. Uh, our youngest son, his name is Brock, and 
I was messing with my mother who was worried for me when she found out we were going to have a fourth child. And I called her to tell her, I said, we named him Brock Lee. And she <laughs> fell off her chair. Dennis, you didn't. Brock Lee? Come on. <laughs> I said, no, Mom. It's going to be Brock Andrew. <laughs> she was relieved. <laughs> and I'd like to think that my son, Brock, is too. <laughs> Anyhow, God has a claim here, and he says you're going to name him Jesus. What's so significant about that? <clears throat> well, in the Old Testament, we have Joshua, which is an Old Testament way of saying Jesus. It points to the fact that Yahweh is of salvation. It's interesting here in all this talk with Mary that Gabriel doesn't bring up Joseph. We know enough about him. The announcement here and what's going on is focused elsewhere. This is an announcement beyond belief. You're going to bear a son. Look how this tension grows here. Look at verse 31. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son. Boom. Then we go to verse 32. He will be great and be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Verse 33, boom. He will rule forever. Wow. When you break that down and think about that. All right, you're going to have a son. This is going to be his name. And this is what he's going to be like. What an announcement. It is greater, I believe, than she could have ever imagined. Look at this. This is what it boils down to is she's the mother of the Messiah. She's told his name. She's told him that he's gonna, she's gonna bear a son. That's a blessed thing in itself. Elizabeth was probably jumping for joy. She, the, the look of disapproval from the Jews is gone when she shows up and she has a son. This woman, Mary, is gonna have a son beyond all imagination. He will be great. Don't overlook that. <clears throat> it's about time to close, but let me end with these two things before we finish up today. When she says he will be great, this is the absolute sense of greatness. You know what was said about John? He will be great before men. Jesus is going to be great this is the standard. This is the definition of greatness. Jesus, the Messiah. All other greats, if you will, are going to be measured against this. This is the great one. And beyond that, and we don't have time, this is a whole other sermon. He'll be son of the most high. Wow. Wow. Son of the Most High. What does that mean? Well, you can turn back to Genesis 14, not right now. You can also look in Matthew 17 at the transfiguration. You want to see the greatness of Jesus? One of the very few times we saw his glory manifest in the midst of the world in the transfiguration, you see what he's talking about here, the Most High. Jesus appears and 
wows the disciples. Comes with Moses and Elijah and people see him perhaps maybe like Moses saw the back end of God as he passed by. This is the greatness that's being talked about right here. God shows him Jesus with Moses and Elijah and then pronounces his blessing on him from heaven so that the disciples could hear it. This is Jesus. This is my son. This is what means to be great. Well, as is the nature of God, so is the glory of God. Jesus has all this greatness about him and this glory because he is of the same essence as God. Don't have time to do the theological uh, treatise of that word, but he is of the same essence. He is God. Mary, do you get what I'm saying? You're going to deliver the God man. Well, I'll leave that with you till next week. Do you have any questions or comments? Yes, share. You mean that but where Mary says that? I don't know that Mary accepted. She had, um, she had belief, but Zechariah didn't. So he had to be able to discern the question, is what I'm I'm I not sure exactly what you mean. <laughs> the angel? Uh, they have a lot of God gifted power. What? Now, I'm not sure about the discernment thing. I, I can't get into that right now without looking at it before next week. One of the differences is that Mary is genuinely concerned about the biological question. You remember down the road in the New Testament, there's going to be another question like this proposed to Jesus by Nicodemus. Now, it wasn't an unbelief question like Zechariah. He had a biological question. How can a man enter into his mother's womb a second time? He really wanted to know. And that's where Mary's question is coming from. Uh, it seems like yes, Bob. Well, uh, beg, beg your pardon? Is similar, it is similar to. Yes. I put in the text in verse 20 Gabriel says, because you did not believe my words. And, uh, you know, he, he happened to be, and Gabriel identifies his unbelief, but in. Where Gabriel was discussing with, with uh, Mary in verse 38, I know we haven't gotten there. Mary says, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord may it be done according to your word. Word, yeah. Zacharias didn't believe the word, Mary did. Amen. Does that happen? Well, the background would be <clears throat> here you are at the temple performing the service of the Lord.
praying to him for this very thing, and you can't believe this? So all that plays into it, I think. Yeah. Like Good. voice and flesh. Mary was curious. Zacharias was like, oh, get out. <laughs> yeah, this can't be. I know this woman I'm married to. I know me. We're too old for all this. And just one other thing. Zacharias and his wife conceiving. That's two mortals conceiving. That's Mary and Yes. We're going to deal with that eventually. Yes, very good. Brother, would you dismiss us in prayer, please? Thank you, Father. Eternal Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this uh, wonderful news um, that is given uh, not only to Zacharias, but also to Mary, and is given to us. Indeed, O oh Lord God, as Mary found uh, favor with God, we have been favored by the grace of God given through the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that our, our belief would be strengthened and we would rejoice in this good news, this gospel that was first proclaimed by Gabriel uh, to uh, Zacharias. We rejoice in that in Jesus Christ. Amen.